0: Hey, my people. He is risen. You are paid for. That makes you immortal now, and he won't be long anyway. Welcome to the Mad Christian Saturday morning chill. You know what's got to be one of the weirdest things ever? Hi, my people. Welcome to the Saturday morning chill. Mad Christianity coming your way. Um, Can you—I I was actually, just a moment ago, afraid that I was going to be speechless as soon as we went live. And I want to sit here and ponder that thought for a minute because, I mean, if you've watched this at all, listen to me at all, the idea that I would be speechless is kind of... It might even be gratifying to everybody, right? Like, if that actually happened, it might bring about something positive in, in the way that you would, like, think about uh, I, me as a person, right? Oh, yeah, in fact, it does get speechless. Speaking of which, I'm going to adjust the volume right now. i uh, trying to do some level testing, balancing with the volume of my voice going out to you and the music breaks going out to you. So, uh, if that gets better today, let me know. If it gets way worse, let me know as well. But, yes, so, Speechless. Uh, Why? Why am I speechless? Why am I afraid of being speechless? It's because I think we live in momentous times. And I think that just to talk right now is dangerous. Honestly. Because we're so filled with misinformation. There is so much white noise. But the odds of you lying when you talk right now are better than average in the history of the world. All things considered, men are liars to begin with, right? Okay, so let's leave that side that we're always twisting it for ourselves in cravatas. Leave that to the side for a second. Pretend we can actually have civil discourse sometimes by the grace preveniently of God, right? The first article of creation that he still wants this stuff to go on for a while. Mm. We live in times where the, the discourse is so convoluted, so without truth that to try to comment on it is to join the lie. At least that's what I've begun to think. So how do I talk to you then? Especially since I don't want to talk back to the modern world anymore because I've become convinced that the modern world is a world of talking back. Like that's kind of the, the main idea. Forget all the deep philosophy for a moment and get to pragmatics and what's going on, right? The modern world is a knee-jerk reaction against Jesus. <laughs> and as a result, it is, it is hell-bent on being a reaction to begin with, and then a reaction against Jesus all the way through its, its bitter end, whatever it's going to do. And being just Greek philosophy, I think, from the beginning, a second run at the Roman Empire, uh, historically like, like as, a, as a governance hypothesis science test, experiment of history, um, it's just going to do what it does. Which is react. Again, react like Plato. React against Jesus this time. Uh, uh, Sometimes carrying along Christians for the ride. We've been talking in the Mad Christian Discord recently. I forget which thread this one was in. About the idea that the world is way more religious than most of us realize. We're kind of blind to it, right? Like fish in water. And so we think we live in this so-called secular age. But what we've done is we've just changed the way we believe in gods who are not the real God. And so we talk and feel and think about them differently. But if you were to like be a spacecraft, like aliens coming down and looking at us, right? Fully objective. What are these ants down here doing? Oh, look, they're worshiping that stuff. I'm pretty sure that's what they'd see. Yeah. And what I want to try to do now is step away from the knee jerk modern. Like, let's, let's just debate Plato to the end of the world and, and, we will for fun, but personally, I'm like stepping back from that and saying, how is, how does worship explain all of this? And then once I can realize what everyone else is worshiping, how do I, as a Christian, knowing I got to be in the world, not of it, knowing I can't leave the society in which I live, how do I, what, be beside my master in Dagon's temple, kneel with him if I must, and yet not believe a bit about who Dagon is. And if, you get that reference, um, or you don't, I should say. that That's Naaman's story, uh, baptismal regeneration in the Old Testament. Weird, weird story. You should go check it out. Uh, anyway, yeah. so, so it's, a, it's a tough time to speak, I think, unless there is this reality that when a person, and it doesn't have to be like me or a pastor, when a human being opens a Bible and just says what it says out loud even with nobody else around them right the kingdom of god has come upon the earth to pronounce reality and bring sanity and truth back into an age of lies and i mean i don't want to just sit here and read the bible to you for two hours but it'd be good if you went and did some of that before you come back and listen to my babble you know what i'm saying that's like the best I got for you today. I'm, I'm not going away, right? But I, I'm kind of convinced that if I haven't convinced you to spend more time in the actual Bible, open, in your hands, preferably reading a psalm or two out loud, if I haven't convinced you to do that, I'm wasting my time here. Uh, this is just this is just running in circles. Yes, let's make jokes and play fiddles while the world burns. The, the, Christians, you have more power at your fingertips than you can possibly imagine, but you don't believe it. And then when you do want to believe it, you just want to use it to make cancer go away. Rather than deal with reality! You know? The spiritual warfare of the present age. Demonic lies striving to tear your heart away from the true and living God. You hear what I'm saying? You know? It's... It's... it's, It's a little bigger than can I get a few more years in the nursing home for me, for me. OK, if you if, you, if for you, it's about the nursing home, you go. But then I'm going to contest to you. You've forgotten a thing or two about what the scriptures actually say. And so I'm just trying to tell you, read them again, because <laughs> I'm not going to convince you by yelling and dancing on a screen. I know that. What is this? What is the screen? It's a magic pill to make you forget about your world for a while. Sometimes step outside of everybody who's watching a TV or a movie together and just look at them, watch them, and and, and wonder what kind of strange stasis this is, right? It's not that, I'm not against like, I don't want to say this, wrong. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to create a moral where there is none. I don't believe it's a sin to watch a movie, right? I just find it amazing how fast and how often we turn our heads off and then we call it rest, It's nuts to me. When the Bible says that rest is to read the Bible. (laughs) And I'm saying this as someone who didn't do enough of this. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting a taste of it. Wow. Wow. Our culture. Wow. We're worshiping false gods all the time. This is crazy. How do we even begin? How do I even begin to tell you on the internet about this? That we need to repent of our idols. Now, we all got them. And we all Lutherans know we can make an idol out of everything, right? But I think, I think, we maybe shouldn't be so proud of knowing that. Does that make sense? Does that cut right? You know, I'm I'm not trying to condemn, I'm trying to build up here. I feel like I have learned this. Oh, did I say feel? I think I have learned this. I believe this. That repentance is a dish best served cold. That means the more that we can learn to believe that our first feeling and emotion is probably wrong, the better we're going to be able to apply what we know the scriptures have said to our actual words, hands, lives, right? So retaining control of, say, the, the passions <laughs> is fairly important, In any discussion. And yet, and yet, that does not mean there are no passions. Quite the opposite. It means that conviction is kind of the ultimate passion. And when you're convicted that something is true, not merely because it happens to work because some people said so and they can show it to you and your eyes believe it, but because the Almighty God has sworn it with an oath. Well, the passion which is created by that, contrary to the world's hedonism, Contrary to it, fighting against the world's hedonism, that passion is real. It is a regeneration of the emotions of mankind. But you're not going to experience faithful passion while you're chasing fleshly passion. This is Paul's talk in Galatians 6, Romans 7. He's not trying to say, oh, woe is me. What I would do is what I would not do. Therefore, I'll just let it be. Forgetting what is behind and pressing on toward the goal. Yeah, I skipped books, but same dude. Pressing on toward the goal. For the upward call. For the belief that even though what I experience here is wrong, it's actually now right. Because Jesus has risen from the dead. And nothing can go wrong now. Even the wrong is turned into right. And this is no reason to try to be wrong. It's a reason to realize the right will never lose. So get back on its side you feel me? Wow. Hey, I want to know an answer to this question. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? I honestly want to know from my own heart. Now, these are words spoken to Samuel. Remember Samuel? Samuel's the prophet born of Hannah, who lived a life of restoring Israel to what they were supposed to be, a theocracy, where God was their king. And, you know, he he was like a, a judge-prophet all rolled into one, the last judge, the first of the prophets, the fulfillment of Moses' words in Deuteronomy as a type of Jesus, okay? Um, and then, well, his sons don't quite take after him, so there, there's just this, like, skipping part where that happens. But then uh, the people don't reject, don't just reject him and his sons, well, his sons, they reject him and and God, and as for a king. But yet God has planned all this, in a certain way and Moses even kind of foretold that it was all going to happen and then this is what brings about eventually David who again is a type of Jesus but before David we got this guy Saul right and if you you don't know this story that's okay that's okay you should though the Bible's the Bible's nuts (laughs) Uh, it's it's a dangerous book and I will go on record as saying they should burn it are you out there and you're not a Christian right now you're in charge of this dystopic nightmare you're one of those fascists who don't think you're a fascist you should burn the Bibles I'm telling you because we won't <laughs> I'm telling you anyway they won't listen um, not until they're too late and doing it wrong and then it'll all be a trap that God builds for them anyway and they'll fall into it so we got nothing to worry about point being hmm, learning your Bible It's it's a it's a fascinating experience, and you find these incredible historical stories that are not quite George Washington and the apple tree, the founding fathers and manifest destiny. I mean, that's all very nice, and I put my own trust in it long enough. But I mean, this is a whole another world of kings, right? And, and and Saul is the first of these kings, which are this sort of I don't know I don't know how to say it. I don't think theology has really come to terms with the movement from prophet to judge to king. We've tried to prophet priest king Jesus. We see all that there, right? Jesus becomes the king, but the fact that are asking for a king is kind of a problem. That's where the the fascination for me comes in. Like we we in theory didn't need this Garden of Eden. Yeah. Now fallen. Well, we need a man who's our head, <laughs> uh, who uh, ideally can't fall. That would help. And so Jesus becomes this the king. But before all that, you know, there's this demonstration of the lack of completion and theocracy. I, I don't know how to say it without sounding like a heretic. Because what I want to do is discuss this, by the way, not teach the dogma about what I just said, but this transition moment between uh, Moses to judges, to prophet, and then this, this Melech, this other external idea, because th- maybe I didn't, didn't share this with you. You don't get this on the normal read. The Melech, the king in the Old Testament, is an external idea to Israel, and it is not just the idea of like, like I don't know, uh, teleho, let's follow the king. It, it's, it's more the divine right of the God king himself. So give us a man who is God is sort of what the people ask for. When they when they go to when they go to Samuel. Now, what's interesting again is how God's all like, yeah, actually, that is what you need, although you ask for it in the wrong way. So often, the category, by the way, all the way through the Old Testament, what's wrong with what people are doing? We're gonna have the temptation this this week. Jesus is gonna be tempted by the devil. He's gonna talk about Massa and the problem of of grumbling and temptation at Massa. Massa is where the people were not having any water to drink in the wilderness, and so they grumbled against god about not having any water and then moses gave him water from the rock and this is a bad thing okay but it's a good thing because it's a picture of christ again let's just not chase that right now but here's the thing they were parched with thirst in the desert there's their giant god over there what's wrong with that god that he won't give them water like you could go that way with this right especially if you're going to say you know they're grumbling he's being rude but here's the thing what did they not do that was so evident so obvious? They could have just asked. I said this in a sermon recently. I'm going to say it again, it's really worth it. This this is really worth taking home. Like I do not I don't I don't I say a lot of things, like I said, and I don't know that I trust myself to truly discern the white noise right now, right? But I'm pretty confident that studying the scriptures brings about realities that are, are worth believing in. This this is one of them. It's from Jacob at the Jabbok Well, okay? So so Jacob gets in a big fist fight at the Jabbok Well with God Himself. And he wins. And there's been argument all over about how this happens and, and it turns into this nasty piety about how you're supposed to wrestle with God in prayer until you win. It's just – it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Not the way it's been taught mm, as law. Um, but there, there's this really cool thing that comes out of it. Like if you're in a fight with God, like, like he incarnates and gets in a fist fight with you, right? And he's like, oh, let's go. Let's go. And you hit him. He's like, ah, I'm not even bleeding. Huh? You know, really, really like that, right? Like how do you win? Always. Every time. Hey, if you were listening to the sermon, don't shout it out. Don't ruin it for others. <laughs> how do you win? Hmm? God's fighting you. How do you beat him every time you ask him for help? That's how. It's so simple. Think on it. Ponder it. Pray about it. That's the point, right? He is the kind of God that if you ask him for help, he'll help you. What's the devil's problem? He won't ask for help. That's the problem. That's what unbelief won't do. It runs. It fights. It, it will not say, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, th- those are the problems, right? So, I bring this back to Samuel and then to Saul. Can I do it? Let's see. Uh, Melech, divine king, asking for a god who is man. And, you know... God's like you don't know what you're asking for, but it's also right, and so I'll give it to you. But here's what's going to happen first. And Samuel says all this stuff. The king's going to do all these things, and then he goes and you know, he anoints this guy named Saul. And Saul's story is just such a bizarre, like Judas kind of thing. Okay, he is he is the betrayer. He is Benedict Arnold and worse. Right. I mean, the, the, isn't it sad that Benedict Arnold is like our big betrayal story? Um, like this is Star. No wonder Star Wars took over. We did not have a good mythology, America. We really didn't. Although, David Crockett was a dude. That guy, that guy was a dude. Man. Mm. I bet he did not get to sip nice coffee like I do. though. <laughs> so, Saul is a Christian king. Now, right off the bat, depending on your tradition, we may have some trouble here with understanding election. Let's election. Let's just leave it at the story, though, here, okay? So, Saul confesses... God, the true one. Saul uh, acts upon the promises of God. He's anointed by God. The Spirit of God comes upon him with prophetic power more than once, including after he falls away. I don't know. But God then goes like this to me. As I try to figure out how to how to understand Saul, because I don't want to be that guy. Here's what God said. Why are you mourning for Saul? Now, who did he say this to? He said to Samuel after, after Saul had both done the wrong thing, been reprimanded for it, told the kingdom would be taken from him, and then went on, didn't follow a very express command to fulfill prophecies from Moses about exterminating people from the land, kept some of the stuff, and then for that reason is rejected forever. So he fulfills it himself after the fact, and then God says, okay, now David, right? Who's going to show us a different way, which is faith, which is trust. And David, throughout his his reign, including his Fall and restoration to the faith uh, is the emblem of the man who trusts what God says when God says it. And Saul is the emblem of the man who does not. And Samuel has put such hope in Saul that when God rejects him and says to go you know, anoint David, he again asks this question. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him? Why does this strike me? Let me let me tell you, let me tell you. How long will you wish for something that God has said is wrong to be right? How long will you look at the present moment and covet a different one? How long will you try to live a different path, seeing as God has said, this is the way, the truth, and the life? You hear you hear what I'm saying here? Like like for me, my own struggle with Saul a little bit is this too. How long, Jonathan? will you think your name's Saul and not Jonathan oh <laughs> uh, you know you chase that if your name's Jonathan man what a dude what a dude anyway I'm still not sure about this I'm struggling with this I mean, this, this is fresh for me okay so you know don't don't wrap me up on charges just yet let's have a debate first figure out we can find our way what else what else do I got come out of my head this week everything did I say this already everything is exactly as it should be like, if, you, if you're if you a Christian, that's the promise. Always. Like, right now, you think the world's going to end. Everything's exactly as it should be. Are you bothered? Pray the Lord's Prayer. No, pray. What's your power? It's a superpower. Prayer. Does it work? Yes. Just not always the way you think. But the more you read the Psalms, you'll know what you're praying for according to the will of God rather than just expecting your hedonistic heart to randomly run into the right prayers on its own sometimes. Right? C- curbing it with the reality of the prayers of the Psalter will show you what to pray for. And amazingly, God answers those prayers. He answers the Psalter. I mean, it's not magic to get you riches because it doesn't actually pray for that. <laughs> but it gets you what it prays for. That's the promise of it, right? Like, and we just don't even use it. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, anyway, so the prudent thing to do most often is to wait wisely and be prepared. Oh, that's worth pondering there. How's this one? Prayer is a form of judgment. Every time you pray, you're judging. Don't push your morality on me while I push my morality on you and legislate it all the way down to the bottom of the ground. Um, prayer... <laughs> some lovely muck down there uh <laughs> prayer is a form of judgment whether you're praying to the right god or not i mean here's this too hold on hold on let's uh, i was going to get coffee i almost had coffee and i lost it i lost it for some for some for some hebrew the one who turns his ear away from torah even his prayer oh, i didn't write down the verse reference even his prayer is a toeva, now, even his tifla, this is prayer. Is a toeva. Can you hear this? So the one who turns his ear from Torah, even his prayer is a toeva. Can you hear? Can you hear that? The one who turns his uh, his ear away from what God says, Torah, the law, uh, Moses' books, the Pentateuch, the first revelation, however you want to see it, is Jesus. At the end of the day, the one who turns his wa- ear away from a Jesus Christ is and has said throughout his holy scriptures, even that man's prayer is a t- abomination. A horror! The greatest wickedness there could ever be. So, first, if we're going to talk about prayer, let's remember that not all prayer is good. Some prayer is quite evil. In fact, it's called cursing. <laughs> uh, any prayer to the wrong goddess is a curse on you and on everything else, whether it's like by the god accidentally inverting it wrong or because god just wants to spite you because you're wicked. <laughs> uh, and, and that's what good gods do to wicked people. So, prayer is always a form of judgment, and what you're praying can help you realize who you're praying to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> made me think of the seagulls um, <laughs> uh, so the moment you would say I wish the world were different you've judged the world right you have taken a higher position than everything else and said I'm above and shall go like, hey I'm a god right so the moment you've begun to want to pray in the present age you've acted like a god Now, the good news is the real God, has he's got this all figured out ahead of time. So it's good when you do it to him because he made you to be in this kind of relationship with him where you're his eyes and ears and hands on the ground. And it actually exists that you're supposed to turn to him with these kinds of requests. But the problem is then if you do not have this God, you automatically, because you just think it's a good idea, this is your natural good idea, you turn to whatever you can find and you set it up and you call it your God. Now, I'm not going to get into designating which, which God's which, but I'm pretty sure in most homes, it flashes blue light and talks at them. Uh, it's their favorite God. And it tells them how to judge the world. And they pray often, I would think, to it, out of worry and anxiety that they might miss the show or something. You know, that that's weird, isn't it? You, you're fake friends. Anyway, <laughs> uh, literally, for years, a bestseller, goodness. Uh, a, <laughs> prayer is a form of judgment. So the moment you would wish something to be different, you have judged it. Now, that means then, A prayer to the true God is also a form of judgment. Now here's the thing, you're supposed to do this. And the Bibles are to teach you how to do this, that your words as God's judgment upon the earth would be your judgment back to God upon the earth, both for good and for ill, especially circling around like things like, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, like that kind of reality in your prayers. Uh, To see that your prayer against your enemy is ultimately a prayer for his salvation until he doesn't want it. And that is a prayer for his damnation. And you, you should not remove these prayers. You should embrace these prayers, all of them. And you'll find them being answered. (laughs) You're not going to stop judging people. For pity's sakes, look at the cancel world we live in. The shame and the status that's just on display and the fear people have to carry about what their faces look like at work. What an awful place we live. No, don't push your morality on me. They're saying to Christians, for goodness sakes. Anyway, prayer is always a form of judgment and prayer is a request for judgment. It's a request for judgment. So every time you turn to God and say, dear Jesus, please do this, you're asking him to judge something. Now, I say, do that more and stop worrying about what you ask for. So if you hear me complaining about people always praying for healing, no, still pray for healing. That's good. The problem is don't only pray for healing. <laughs> That's all we've been doing a lot recently. And I think, you know, it's like James says, you know, you ask that you may spend it on your pleasures rather than, you know, asking for, for the right reason. What's the right reason? Read the book of James. I'm not going to tell you. Go figure this stuff out. Oh, my goodness, my people. Thank you so much for tuning in to hear me ponder and wander. we got questions from you coming up in just a minute across the map, and it should take us all the way through the hour and a half we got remaining. So please, by all means, and if the music's too loud anyway, stick around. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Again, checking all our sound bits here, trying to make sure that. I bet you I could boost me if you needed me boosted just a touch like that. Well, maybe it does. I got to run it through like three different sets of things. And the problem is wherever you lose one thing, it loses all the way through. And I'm not, I'm diagnosing this like one step at a time with someone helping me across text. And that's the best way to do it. Cause it'll get done eventually, but uh, it, it is not fast by any means. Anyway. So, Starting with Judith here this morning, Judith says this, oh, I can't read it over there, let's see, dear Pesterfisk, I hope that you and your family are doing alright with the cold that seems to have enveloped America, I know, the dark winter, I mean, we like talked about it, and I really wasn't expecting it to be sort of like the long dated, you know, frost blast, um, day after tomorrow, oh my, you know, but uh, we're fine, where we are, uh, our area has gotten a lot of snow, uh, and decently cold, but nothing, nothing catastrophic, and at this moment, we still have an operating nuclear power plant south of us. And so power is not a problem in Illinois yet. <laughs> it's common though, right? Yeah. So I, I feel for people out there that are finding that right now, that the infrastructure is not what we thought it was and that we've been told it is. And that the mythology of America is as good as your locality. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, my prayers constantly are that through this, there's a good wake up call uh, not to go and like make sure all your electricity always works first, but to remember who we need to rely on every winter, every season, uh, just because we figured out macro farming doesn't mean harvest and springtime don't matter anymore. And that real life can go come back on us from this magical modern Disney paradise we live in. Uh, it can come back on us pretty quick, I think. And so again, there's your real challenge. How do you be a mountain man in a modern world without only living in the mountains? Huh? Um, and again this is well this is the, the gambit right this is the quest I think a lot of us just have to pick up but so yeah we're doing fine we got heat in our house and we got food and we even got local farmers which is awesome so I came across a piece once that was written by a secular person who nevertheless described Jesus as being the most enigmatic person capital P in history I continue to one ponder this thought and wonder if you had any comments on this <sighs> sounds like an unbeliever is my thought. I would contest that Jesus Christ is, is the most clear person in history. He is the least enigmatic of all humans ever. Most humans you've never heard of. That's in fact enigmatic. (laughs) They are mysteries to us. Jesus. We know more about Jesus than any other human that ever lived, both inspired and without error. And then also filled with lies as well. Like they got volumes and volumes on that. Right, so maybe that's what they mean is there's a lot of people telling lies about Jesus trying to bury what's really there that he actually said. okay, what I think it is instead is it's a it's a cop out it's a cop out is is rather than come to a conclusion on Jesus' claim to be God, they just say, Wow, that guy's a weird guy, I'm not sure what to say about him. you're too afraid to make a confession that you don't believe and that you should <laughs> right. That's ba- basically it's I should believe in Jesus but I don't and so he's enigmatic to me this is how I worship at home it's like that okay so I, I, he's he is the clearest man in history I like how C.S. Lewis treats it in Mere Christianity I spent many years since I read Mere Christianity it's on my shelf I bought it recently I hope to read it again I'm, I'm not always a Lewis fan I think he was prescient in a lot of ways but I, I don't always think he was right okay so you pick up mere Christianity is not going to be perfect. It doesn't even get to baptism. How can you have mere Christianity without baptism? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so he does make this case. <laughs> I remember what it was. Oh yeah. Uh, that, um, Jesus is so clear and his history is so clear that you don't have an option to say, I don't know about Jesus to do so is to just say, I'm a liar. This is Lewis's argument. I'm a liar. If you say, I don't know about Jesus, I'm a liar. That's what you mean. Okay? Because he is either demonstrably and evidently to any objective person, the actual incarnation of God, or some sort of superpower devil slash demon alien incarnate thing that we killed and that, like, flew away afterwards. Okay? Like, those are your options for Jesus. (laughs) Enigmatic. I guess, you know, where did he go to the alien species that pa- transpermia, panspermia, blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, I God bless the person who wrote it. And I, I you know, there's so much arrogance in, in the lies and the false worship. There's so much ambition running everything out there right now, including our hearts, right? And we're in the water too. Uh, so, but it's just, it's nonsense, Judith. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Uh, He is the clearest human being that has ever lived, and all problems exist as a result of our lack of clarity in response to him. Uh, Babble. Uh, He's clear. Hey, guys, don't do it that way. i got to wash it afterwards. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's real. And then they're like, well, let's try again and build a tower to get out of the way. You know I mean? And that's confusion. Welcome to confusion. So, enigmatic? That's us. Not Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, 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 I don't know what to say about the world I live in. It's madness, I tell you. I'm the mad one. I'm the one with spittle in my beard. Ah, well, if I need to be. Uh, my dad is a pastor says, oh, oh, who is this here? Chip. Chip says, my dad is a pastor in an evangelical tradition. But over the past three to four years, I have realized that much of it, this is an error. I went to college to study for ministry and had a friend who challenged me on my views regarding liturgy and the sacraments, ultimately this leading to a complete overhaul of my theology with quite a bit of help from your videos. Well, you're welcome, and thank you. And here's, here, before you get into the part about where your parents aren't happy, here's the thing. (laughs) Parents, why'd you send kids off to college and let them watch the internet? If you don't want them to come back with ideas that destroy your own, don't do those two things. Certainly not just ad hoc, okay? Like, there's, there's a way a Christian can go to college. Um... But just just sending them off, they're going to come back with different ideas. They should be thankful you're a Christian, I think. And I'll give them you know the gambit you had to run. You could have come back, you know, Baha'ist or something. You know, ended up on a ship doing pirate radio for the aliens off the coast of L.A. And yeah, there really is a religion that does that. It's nuts. Tom Travolta was in it. Well, it is was I don't know. Golly. Anyway, Tom Travolta. <laughs> What a world. Why does my mind know that? I'm so bitter at the world for that information. Like, that could have been the knowledge of, like, David's, uh, you know, third grandson or to the, to the east with, like, twice removed. And I would know why it mattered, right? But instead, I, I can reference, you know, Kurt Cobain. Ugh. Ugh. The white noise. Anyway. Um, so, the question goes on. Later, Mm, I got to do something about my desktop. Uh, later, as a result of my many moral failings of my own, I, my grades dropped out and I quit college and moved back with my parents. I have found a conservative Anglican church and will be attending there. Okay, so here's here's my question before I go on, Chip, because like this is where you're you're not going to have a leg to stand on with your folks a little bit, right? Like, you go away, you decide their religion is not your religion, you also have moral failings <laughs> and have to move back home. It's a tall order for them to swallow all at one time. So I'm just, I'm, I'm giving this to you just, so you can see the, the the place you're in you're not on the best foot for advocating advocating the value of your theology from a worldly point of view um you're going to have to do it from a i have learned my lesson point of view right and i hopefully you are right hopefully you are um so uh context trying to establish context later uh bu- 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 so you're at home my parents have been uh more than disappointed in me yeah and and, and i mean welcome to america I, I, really uh it, it, Real? I mean, is, is there, maybe there's other places, maybe every place is like that, right? Welcome to earth. Um, but I get it. It hurts. Um, and I don't know how he goes on. I don't know how to explain my beliefs to them. Okay. Um, oh, that's rough, dude. Uh, they have issues with liturgy replacing relationship. <laughs> and this one's, sorry, that one I have to laugh at. Um, and within the liturgy, they don't believe ministers have the right to absolve sins as it's too Catholic. Right. And that's, that's kind of a common understanding. Um, and that, that one, I can understand a little better why they would not like that. I'll come back and talk about liturgy and relationship. I love, uh the moment you're doing theology by rhyme, right? Um it's not about liturgy. It's about relationship. Right? And it's not really rhyme, I guess. It's like it's like onomatopoeia poetry, right? Um like like Beatnik. It's not about It's not about community. It's about community talk. I really read a book this thick and that was the thesis. I'm not kidding. Okay, so <laughs> they say, uh, your, your parents say my, your sin is proof that your theology is wrong. Right, well, this is where they kind of have you a little bit unless you can just say I am wrong about everything except my theology and I repent. <laughs> that's where I would start. Uh, um, uh, it's rough, right? It's just like it's called humble pie, but it, humble pie makes it sound like something that's not. It's it's a, bit, a dish best served cold. Like I said earlier, uh, just own it. Own it. Passions don't matter. <laughs> They're your enemy in this. Uh, so uh, it's proof that your theology is wrong because it is a reformation. Oh, here's the, here's the one I want to talk about poetry, right? It's not a reformation. It's a transformation, right? It's just like you're, you're doing theology by poetry. You know you're on the wrong path. Why would you set such words against each other? This is what I cannot fathom. I'm jumping outside of your problem. Your problem is very real. I want to treat it with respect. But, you know, the theology is just so ludicrous, okay? Like, let's like saying, like, I, I don't believe in Jesus because I believe in the Father. Like, like, what are you doing? Do you believe the Bible has meaning? Does the meaning connect to other meaning? Is there a whole meaning that the all of it means together called truth? And you're like in a reject Reformation. Do you know what a reformation is? It's when it breaks and you restore it. What do you think Jesus is doing to the planet? Man, how do you think the transformation is going to occur? Is it by a complete wiping away? Are we going from chrysalis to butterfly? That doesn't seem to be the model based on his resurrection. So I, I just, again, it bothers me that they I love you, Chip, first, okay? And you're right. You put yourself in a hard place and it's frustrating that such bad theology has to be lorded over you because of your moral failings. But that's the cross you have to now eat again. So everything I'm saying about how wrong they are, you don't get to go say any of it, right? you get to let me like build you up a little bit and like, okay, here's my theology and why this makes sense, okay, and I, I'm still a believer, okay, right? We do that. But your job with your parents right now is nothing but I have failed you. You gave me launch. I am back, I repent. I will not leave my God, but I will repent of everything else. You tell me what I want to repent of, I will repent of it. I will not leave my God. I can't, and I'll go out on the street first. Kick me out. Own it, dude. Step in it, right? Go walk on your own, starve to death if you've got to. They won't let you. They love you. They're your parents. So <laughs> own, own the fact that being back um, gives you no ability to tell them how to think. And if they want to attack your God, you will just have to trust your God then. Now, that was not cavalier what I just said. Rewind it. I mean it. You will have to trust your God in this one. No child teaches a parent unless the parent really wants to learn. And most don't. Because by nature, parents are supposed to teach children... And for a long time, the children really don't have much to teach the parent except for how to love one who doesn't have much to teach you intellectually. Um, But, right, the intellectual side of it, that only comes later when the child really has learned to say things that make sense. (laughs) And then um, the parent has to also have the wisdom to realize this as possible, right? And then see the transition happen and receive it. Usually that's not going to be accompanied with other types of collapse and catastrophe, although it could be. Again, I would suggest that the more you can just say, look, I'm not here to convert you. That I don't have a... James chapter 2 again, right? I don't have a righteous right before you to claim you should listen to me about religion right now. But I'll tell you this. I'm repenting because of my religion right now. And I'm going to commit everything to my religion right now. And you will see what it will do. Now, I'll do it on my own if I have to, but I'd rather do it under your roof because, well, that's what parents are for. <laughs> please Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 3 and 4 it's right in there you'll see it uh if you go look so uh I haven't even finished your 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 letter yet uh how should I respond well I kind of gave you that I don't think that I can move out because of the amount of debt I have put myself in slavery modern slavery and it will be a real struggle to live in a household whose theology I deny uh no I mean you disagree they're Christians aren't they right Right. I mean, it's really, you should kind of start there. You can't commune together. You might not even really be able to pray together, although you're going to have to work that one out. As a family, I think I think you can at this point. And there shouldn't be a problem with prayer between an Anglican and an evangelical. There really shouldn't. And so the bigger issue is who's in charge. <laughs> and your dad's the priest of the house. Your dad's the prophet of the house. That's what his job is. So your job, you're you're at a you're at a monastery under an abbot, and the abbot and you don't agree on everything. But if he'll have you, as long as he doesn't make you like do things for Baal, right? Uh, if it's just his particular style that smells of heterodoxy, I mean, what do you think the people of Israel had to do under Eli all those years? If, think about it. Yeah? Uh, repentance is a dish best served cold. Uh? Uh, uh, thank you much says chip for uh uh listen uh, thank you very much listening to your videos sm chill brief history of power on my way home from work uh, have been a huge help to me in the past year as i have not had access to good biblical instruction yeah you're welcome chip you're absolutely welcome uh i want to talk about some of the theology pieces you you brought up real quick here oh liturgy (laughs) liturgy and relationship i like it's like they don't believe jesus is a man I, i really they don't I'm not just saying they think he's a woman. It's like they don't think he's human at all. But then when they think he's human, they think he's a woman, right? Because he's got long hair and he likes sheep too much. I'm not kidding. Like the way we do it is not right. Um, Jesus is a real person. Real people have relationships that are not enmeshed within their own psyche, in their own brain, right? If your relationship with your wife is only inside your own brain and heart, it's not a relationship. That's just you. So the idea that you can have this relationship with God that only involves the inside of you is pagan. I don't know to say it. The problem is not that they don't have enough liturgy, so they're all going to go to hell. The problem is what they think is not liturgy that ends up being pagan belief systems and prayer at the end of the day. Not your parents per se, but a lot of these churches that do this. And this wind that has swept through American great revivalism and just stripped it of all of its substance and left in its path nothing but, again, hedonistic hunger for growth and passionate striving for my own will, which is not Christianity, right? Christians can practice that and still escape through the flames with everything around them burning down but their own final childlike trust in Jesus, which I would again call baptism— um, It comes with baptism. Uh, So, you know, all of that can happen. But is that a path that the Bible says, well, this is the wise path uh, to try to get through by as skin of your teeth as you can, to have as much grace possible because you shall make sure you are the chief of sinners by the time you're done. It's just, that's not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, It's not. Uh, The Holy Spirit inspires you to hate your sin. Um, So, the relationship idea then must be Just to use the word in English, okay, to have a relationship, there must be two things. And those things must be separate. So, the idea then that bringing lots of things together, a whole bunch of people in one room, in order to speak together to each other and hear from God together, to claim that that's not the definition of a relationship, again, It just shows the bankruptcy of their actual position and the likelihood that they maybe don't believe anything at all, although I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and believe that the Bible stories did their work, whether they understand them or not. I think the Bible stories and the truth about Jesus simply does his work among a lot of people while they talk about all this other stuff they think they believe. And that childlike faith by his grace is kind of covered through this. We call this a felicitous inconsistency, but uh, the time is coming, you know, where the, the tempering is upon us. Oh my goodness. And like, if you're going to put your hope in a relationship instead of a liturgy and you think that's biblical talk, like that's the distinctions. Paul's like, watch out for those who do liturgy, <laughs> the, uh, those dogs, you know, uh, you do a liturgy at your evangelical church. It's just new and based on American pop culture, mostly. A little bit of the high places worship, probably as well, without you being aware of that, but you you thought you made it up. It's, it's pagan worship never goes out of style, never goes out of style. So I, I know I got some real problems with what they say, but for you, you don't get to, not in their house. You get to practice obedience. You get to practice the words given to the ladies in First Peter chapter three about what it's like to live under a husband who doesn't believe at all. Now I'm not saying assume your parents are unbelieving. I think you should assume they're believing. But uh, when living under an unbelieving person, you can do it as a human and a Christian. You do it by silence, it says. Silence in prayer. Believing that they will be converted by your silence. Now, this is only in the relationship of headship and under, right? This isn't just in general. We're supposed to all go be silent everywhere. But these are the words. for Timothy 3, start of the chapter. Ladies, submit to your husbands. I'm just gonna, Children, the same thing applies to children to parents. You want to throw it out ladies to husbands, or you throw it out children to parents too. <laughs> and you get the world we live in. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. So, yeah, oh, and the two Catholic thing. Gotta love it. So let us once again demonstrate the illiteracy of our tradition. That we don't even know what words mean, and we just use them because we heard them once or twice, and now we say them lots, and it's supposed to make the bad things go away. It is in fact a taboo magic spell. Uh, I have I don't want to say that one abracadabra that'll do abracadabra hocus pocus all that kind of thing Two catholic make it go away you know and lutherans are horrible with this by the way historically uh uh catholic, i believe is the way we would have said it but then again lutheran is a catholic swear word itself so we're all kind of in this really weird place where the words don't even help us anymore do they now so you're going to be mad about forgiveness of sins being declared to you out of the bible Because it's too Catholic. You've entered an interesting place. Yeah, you really have. Um, I would call it Judaism or Judaizing. My guess is you think we should keep like Levitical feasts too. Do you worship on Saturday? No, why not? You should based on your position. (laughs) Anyway, you know, it it just gets too big at a certain point. The fact is Catholic is a word just like Christian. In fact, this was in Discord recently, too, so I should address it. There was a little debate about whether we should have Catholic or Christian in the creed. And the problem is true. I would agree there's an issue that uh, the Lutheran Missouri Synod hymnal tradition <clears throat> uses Christian. And it—it uh, it is something that separates us in confession from basically all the other Christians in the world that use the Nicene Creed. Um, however, there was another update to the Nicene Creed that was done that most people use, which is really bad. (laughs) And so there's more problems than just one here. And it's not as easy as, oh, we'll just fix it. Right. But, uh, the fact is this Christian was the German translation of Catholic at a certain point, right? That's how this happened in Germany. They were trying to say Catholic and they used the word Christian to mean it. And through the several centuries of that attempt to get people to understand what the word Catholic meant, it became, Right? Christian. And so it's they're not different words. And if you want to argue about which one we use, it shows you how little we're either of them. If you are a Christian then you are part of the entire body of Jesus Christ, that's what the word Catholic originally meant when the Christians used it. Like church. Huh? And if you therefore are a Catholic member of the Church of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. And you gotta be. That's the only way to be a member of the church. So so it's you know to fight about it. Uh, or to use it as a, it's just a swear word. What they really should, and this is, they could actually be pretty good about this. You could be like old school. The old school wouldn't really say do Catholic. They'd call it Romanist or the papistic, Uh, (laughs) the papistic, uh, those who worship the Pope. Now, so what they're really trying to make their claim is now too, this is important. So. Ministers, whatever that means, don't have the right to absolve sins, whatever sin means, because it's too much of what the Pope does. You know, the Pope doesn't forgive sins. That's what the 95 Theses were about. Do you realize that? I mean, I am speechless. I'm speechless. Forgiving sins is too Catholic. I I mean, (laughs) we've had enough fun with this one for today. (laughs) I love y'all. Keep sending it. Colin says this, what Bible translation do you use for your daily readings? And what do you think is the best for Bible study? Oh, this is tough, Colin. This is tough. You ready? I want to be, I'm going to be like snotty right now. I just want to share. I'm going to boast a little. but I'm going to do it because I want you to reach and then I also want you to realize how far behind I actually am. Okay? So, remember, I am ordained. I've gone to school to get effectively a lawyer degree, you know, a legal degree, pass the bar exam in order to study the Bible in the original languages. And not everyone who gets ordained gets that, but that's what my church body does. So I'm what you call a professional philosophical scholar pastor. I mean, we're all supposed to be that. Not everyone does it, but but I've really bought into this idea quite quite strongly. So what that means is that I take reading the Bible and praying like a monk would, you know, like, like I gotta do it. It's not an option. It's not part of my day. Sometimes it's not sermon prep. I am supposed to live in the Bible so that my people who don't live in the Bible run into someone who lives so in the Bible he can tell them when they're about to leave living in the Bible, like at all, right? They're, they're coming in and out and I've got to give them what they need right where it is, right? So my job is to be in this stuff all the time. Now the fact is, I'm also doing this, not just me, Jonathan, but the office of the ministry, the pastor, he's doing this to try to show you what you should aspire to. Now, with your vocation, you will not have the time that I have. You You just won't, right? But that doesn't mean you cannot find your own version of this. I mean, I said it earlier today. Every time you say, I'm tired, I just need to go sit and let something make me relax, which won't relax you at all to make you more tired but you think it'll relax you, but it's a drug you're addicted to, go read a Bible. You won't want to. Why? Because there's the devil and he hates you and he's inside your flesh. Not him himself, but his algorithm for sin. It's there. And so you're going to fight it. And well, the thing is, I'm here to inspire you to fight back a little bit, right? Fight back a little bit. Fight back a little bit. All right. So this is my day carry Bible. I like this Bible a lot. If you get on the Mad Christian Discord, we can tell you where I got it. I forgot the guy's name. Um, he does engraving. Where is it? kind of see it. I got it. it it's in Greek. Um, it's my my uh, confirmation verse in Greek on the front. This was eighty bucks. It's a New King James version. Uh, after spending many years with the English Standard Version in the LCMS's kind of tradition, uh, I finally had enough of it. And for my family and I, we have just gone to New King James. We kind of packed it with ourselves that unless there's a new translation that is unifying in every sort of way, which nothing could possibly do that right now, where every new translation just divides us further. Um that my family and I we're going to we're going to commit to the New King James and we will redefine words that have gotten undefined by America back to what they're supposed to mean so that we can understand what it means and that'll be our family canon. So th- you know that's that's important, right? That's that's this thing. And we all have our own copies, we're all supposed to read it and you know my kids will do what they will do uh, at their various ages trying to teach them some self-responsibility and all that. So so that's that's the start. I lost my mouse. Mm-hmm. I got a bad back right now. Okay, so what should we do next? Here, every week I open up this one. Now, this is not quite a Bible, but it kind of is. This is my one-year lectionary. It's a personal copy. You can see the coffee has well loved this Bible over time. Um, it is filled with some places my own notes on the text. What you have in here is that thing that is that is against relationship called the liturgy it has a history of reading the Bible carefully over time on Sundays to get the whole story, and it's really pretty good. <laughs> uh, and so you know, just week by week, uh, you read through and you you travel through um, through the the truth of the church is really kind of nice. Um, and then also there's a whole nother side to it, which is the festival days. Uh, there's readings in the back that follow another calendar year within the same year. So you get kind of midweek readings. If you want to do that too, is absolutely phenomenal way to experience the Bible. And anybody could, could pick this up and make use of it. It is in the ESV as you buy it from CPH and they're not cheap, but um, I do make use. I mean, you can see it's mine, right? I, I make use of this pretty heavily every week uh, before I'll turn to anything else to figure out what the texts I'm reading are. I will usually look at them in here because i'll also preach out of this um so whatever else i'm using like i'm reading in this or i'll show you some other stuff in a moment i preach out of uh my my lectionary so um all right let's see then we got what should i show you first this one here this guy is a reader's edition uh biblia hebraica so what you have here is my hebrew bible and uh, this is new. I, I didn't even know this one uh, existed. I have the kind of classic Biblia Hebraica that most pastors will have. is like a brown color, um, smaller. Um, but what this one is a reader's edition does is it has in the bottom uh, lesser known word commentary. So uh, some translation words, kind of like a little lexicon in the bottom, uh, or some other like Strong's references and whatnot. So I picked this up this year as I decided to get back into Hebrew. I had really not been doing what I should be doing with Hebrew uh, for some time. And thankfully, I found out I love it. Once I started learning it uh, by reading it, rather than just trying to memorize all the forms, don't do that. Don't, it's not the way to learn it. <laughs> uh, so I spend time in this every day, but not a lot. Uh, right now, uh, it, it's used whenever I, like I, I'll go into English, right? I read Proverbs every day. I'll spend some time like in, in a chapter a week and and go through. And so I go into English and like inevitably, uh, I'm, I'm a proverb or two in, and there's a word. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. And so I go straight to this guy. And I look it up and I try to find it. Just finding the word is a success if I've done that. I'm that bad at Hebrew at the moment. I also, I could show you my iPhone. It's I have something called Logos software on my iPhone. So I will go there to quickly get words that this can't help me get entirely. But I have another resource over by where I read that I will inevitably open. It's a single volume theological lexicon of Hebrew, which takes the words in sort of a what do these words do throughout the Bible, a deeper dive. And I will also open that one inevitably once I've opened this one. So um, this one is so it's less reading because I'm not that good at reading Hebrew, right? It's more one word at a time studying. But oh my goodness, it's just it's such a valuable part of my life and my day. Um, this one's not getting the use that it used to get. You can tell. I, I hope you can tell that I have indeed made use of my Greek Reader's New Testament. Um, not it's funny because it looks it looks like I would be a master. Like, I'm not a master. I really am not at all. I'm not that good. Uh, I can kind of sight-read a little, maybe sometimes. And, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, I am proud of this, as I share it with you. It makes me feel like, like when <laughs> this is how bad my self-talk is. When I, I just did this this morning, I was beating myself up in my head about how I do not open the Greek Bible enough as I was opening this, Right? And then I got to look at it and be like, "Wait a minute! You can't tell me I don't open this enough. Like you, in my lifetime, you can't tell me I didn't open this, right?" So it's it's helpful to me to like feel like okay, but that's fleshly too. You see that? Like that is that is ultimately a reliance on self. What's great about this as a as a reader's Greek New Testament is that superior, I would say, at this point to the Hebrew, you have is every word that is not. Used more than a hundred times, you do have the translation uh, at the bottom in the in the in the footnotes, and that makes learning to read Greek way easier, way easier. So when I say I can sight read, I sight reading with a finger in two places as I go, and you know bouncing around certain words I don't know. So um, I use this, and I highly recommend it as opposed to the Nestle Allen, which they continue to update, and which is a so-called plastic text. Blah blah blah, and that's a different debate. But you, know, you got to pick something and stick with it. Uh, the Greek text tradition is varied and wide, so in a sense, it doesn't matter which one you get as long as you're willing to realize the history of the textual tradition and how you can't be too dogmatic about one particular find here or there uh, because of issues of, of translation and uh, the copying of text. Anyway, it's a different different question, right? So I got one more to throw you, though. This is one I go to pretty pretty quick, depending. And it's a new discovery. But this guy, this guy is amazing. This is the Kingstone Bible, Three-part series. They also have one called the Action Bible. It's not as good. It's good, but it's not as good. They they wanted to make a bigger one, and so this is volume two. So this takes you from Solomon, uh, David's death, and Solomon actually Abijam really um, all the way to uh, to the New Testament. Okay, and so I have found this resource to be an absolute inspiration. Is it perfect? No. Is it a direct translation? No. It's a comic book. It's a really big graphic novel based on the entire Bible trying to fit the whole story in done by i don't even know who and i would say they did a pretty good job i this is what i've wanted to do i wanted to do this and i'm like oh they did it and it's like i don't need to do it now (laughs) although there are proverbs not so good i'm sure there are other problems i have not read it cover to cover but you asked right now i mean i just i spent thursday night reading about david again oh what a story what a story It's just so good, and it's so easy to fall into this thing, and it it pulls you forward. Oh, man, is it really good. So, again, it's the Kingstone. It's the Kingstone Bible, uh, three-volume set. You can also get the Kingstone Action Bible. They have a um, uh, Voice of the Martyrs too, which is really awesome, you know, like the early martyrs, uh, and uh, I think I've recommended that here before. I definitely recommend it at church with regularity. If you got young boys and you don't mind realistic portrayals in comic book art of what really happened to Christians in the past, like Peter, James, John, like, it's pretty good. And given that they're going to see all that blood and guts somewhere else anyway, I mean, to see that it was real, and be like, that was real. That that, that one's real. <laughs> and, and this guy's doing this because of Jesus. Uh, yeah, puts, puts Thanos to shame. To shame, to shame, to shame. Alright, so, phew, we got here moving right along luke says this Uh -uh -uh. hold on i just got really really warm i'm gonna drink some water some water this will take five seconds hopefully it's not too loud i hope it was not too loud for you okay so uh hi pastor fisk i set this thing up in here and it looks really cool until i try to look at my screen and now this thing's like hanging in the way you can't see it but i do So if you see me like doing this much, I'm like, (laughs) it's my own fault. Uh, Hi, Pastor Fisk, says Luke. After coming out of some very legalistic teaching, I entered a long period of depression. I discovered some teaching, which I did teach the free grace, uh, which did teach the free grace of God, complete forgiveness of sins, but denied the symbol and thus the need for law preaching. It helped for a while, but the lack of confession and absolution meant that I was back on the doubt train. However, I've since become a Lutheran, but my wife is not, although she is slowly listening to more stuff with me. I lead my wife down this path with me. She was gospel purged too. We started attending a local church because we are desperate for Christian fellowship. This church has lovely people, but a real focus on what they call discipleship and making disciples, which means they do lots of Bible studies each week, and their sermons are Bible studies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My sermons are Bible studies. My guesses are different. Uh, we, we we only hear the gospel and the hymns and the Lord's Supper, which is something, um, uh, if it's really there, uh, which they call emblems. Is it really there? That's where our confessions kind of say, you got to be really careful here. And the sermons are focused on imperatives and how we should live. Sounds awful. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but there are no confessional Lutheran churches in my island or I would attend. That's kind of a backstory. Yeah, but I feel like, I feel like Romans 16 kind of matters, right? And so we're going to maybe go to that here in a moment. But there's a certain point at which what you're doing right now is actually harming you. Now, I can't say entirely because I think that church is probably a Christian church, but at a certain point it's not. And, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't Christians there. So If there is, in fact, no gospel, no, you, know, you don't want to go. Whatever fellowship you're getting is not. It's harming you, and that's why your question is. You know, your here it comes. Question is this: My wife gets very upset whenever she hears a sermon that focuses on entirely on the doing. Yeah, yeah, she's. You should. It's blasphemy, (laughs) and rejects any command to do things due to her upbringing. Uh, which I, I get that too, although it's also a, a dangerous knee-jerk reaction. Uh, so, uh, however, she is very loving and fulfills her role as mother and wife beautifully. I try to encourage her by telling her how she is fulfilling her vocation. Yeah, because she's she's traumatized by like the belief she has to save herself and so she's going to viciously defend her salvation. I don't blame her. Uh, but then, you know, Christian maturity is to gradually recognize that, you don't need to defend your salvation by attacking, right? Uh, That you, you defend by calling on the Lord who defends you. Again, ask God for help. It's, it's, it's a, it's a different way. It's a different way. Uh, What are the good works we should be doing? Lucas, the 10 commandments. Uh, Should we be out on the street corners, knocking on doors? Uh, Not necessarily. That's a, that's a, Loaded question. It certainly is not a imperative from the Bible's mouth, right? Um it was an old way the door-to-door salesman used to pray on weak women. I'll tell you that though. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we feel we feel we cannot invite people to church with us because it will feel like a huge base. So yeah, I wouldn't invite people to that church. I wouldn't go to that church. I'm sorry, I wouldn't go to that church. I, I should just said it that way before. You do what you're gonna do. I would stop going to that church immediately. I would never go back. I would I would go back once, I would tell the pastor why I'm leaving, and I would try to grab every single person who I cared about and say, I'm leaving for this reason. And if you would like to ever start a church where this doesn't happen, I'm up for it. (laughs) And I'd leave. And they're gonna be like, he's divisive. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I guess I am. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, in in your little uh, division, I am. So, uh, I I would go. That would be the good work to do. Read Romans 16 and then realize that you're in a place where you may not get to have the support you think you should have. Now, again you believe you're getting the Lord's Supper at this place, and I'm not sure I do. So I'm coming from a bit of a different place than you too, right? Uh, our our issue with the Lord's Supper is going to be, especially when you talk about Anglicans, is going to be hit or miss, and it's all going to be about individual places and their confession there. What do they teach? Um, so, you know, I don't know that, right? Um, but if that is the case, and you are, you are it is authentically orthodox in all but the preaching, well, then I'd start looking at the Constitution. <laughs> Start talking to the bishop, (laughs) and I mean that's your that's your role, right? Take ownership of the whole thing. Then that's the other side, Uh, and that means if you haven't talked to your pastor yet at all about this, I'm way ahead of the game, right? Right? Like I'm assuming you know the pastor, you talk to the pastor, he's Joelstein, and you know he's Joelstein, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like all my advice comes after that until you figured out he just is never going to repent. Maybe he's just ignorant, though, right? Maybe he just needs, like, you know, Aaron to hold his arms up. So there's that too. Uh, ah, good works we should be doing. The ones we don't want to do, those are the ones we should be doing. Not the ones we boast of. We don't boast of the ones we should be doing. <laughs> uh, street corners knocking doors. No, that's easy to boast about, right? You can you can, like, check it off on a tally. You can say you serve God this week. Uh, uh, loving your neighbor who you don't like can't put that on a list. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? you they show up when you don't want them to. <laughs> uh, so. Ah, uh, we feel we cannot invite people to church. It would be a bait and switch. You said they hear the gospel are there, but in the church, it's all rules and what to do. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like you, you give birth to someone, and then you don't feed them. So how do we encourage each other to good works and holy living without saying like we are now placing us back into law or gospel imperatives? I, so everything I've said about prayer so far this morning needs to apply to you, Luke, that you begin with prayer and what you should be, be praying for is a faithful church, whether it's this one or another one to spring up. And you should be asking God to send you a faithful pastor. A man of righteousness who will tell the truth for the sake of Christians in that area. You should beg for this. And then remember that Anna begged for 70 years before Jesus showed up at the temple. But do it anyway, because that's what you're supposed to do. If you are suffering because the Ark of the Covenant has been removed from you to the land of the Philistines, you don't get to make the sacrifices. Don't go to the high places. Don't go to the high places and make sacrifices. That is not what God has asked you to do. He has not asked you to be unorthodox in your pursuit of him. He has asked you to be faithful and pray for what you know the truth is. So you've gone. You've searched it out. Have you talked to him? Like I said, you've got to do that. But once you've done all of that, if he intends on being a hireling and a false teacher, then Romans 16 is unequivocally clear, and your wife's heart is screaming at you, why? You do not want to eat the leaven. You do not want the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees in your ears. It's why I'm advocating turn the white noise off as much as possible. You're getting it there, too. Every time you turn on the TV, you're entering the justification by works where Jesus doesn't exist land, and they all think and talk that way, and if you think and talk that way, well, no, I should say, if you watch long enough, you will think and talk that way, too. Uh, you need the antidote, at least, and you're not going to get the antidote where you are. And if they have this, the, the counterpoint is if they have the supper, and it's a true church, well, then all the Christians should be willing to listen to you instead of this liar. Now again, I'm judging him harshly assuming you've had some conversations before you ask me. But then again, I should assume most people don't have these conversations. So I'm going to tell you, have these conversations first. Yeah. Have these conversations first. Uh, treat the man like a brother before you assume he's a wolf. But then if he proves himself to be a wolf. Yeah. They exist. Why don't we believe it? I don't know. I don't know. We still believe it. They will arise from within you. I mean, it's, we're told again and again. Hot dot door. John says this. I've been listening to your SMC episode Five eleven. I wish I had a clue what the, which one that was. Uh, I believe I still don't. Me. Coons uh, mentioned this. Said on the most recent brief history of power too. It's like we just. It's impossible when you're producing content like this to remember what you produced. You're making too much. There's too much going out. It's not like writing a book where you're like in the same stuff all the time. It's like going through. Oh my goodness. All right, so currently at the part where you're asking uh, the, that episode uh, whether the Book of Concord is for the laity. In all fairness, I haven't finished the whole thing yet. However, if I don't stop to write this out, I will forget. It seems that you fall on the side of it is not necessary for the laity. I do. Uh, mostly because we aren't ready for that kind of meat. Uh, I disagree. It's good of you to speak for all people everywhere by yourself, but we'll go on. Uh, while I do agree that we, the laity, are dumbed down currently to give up and not teach it, where does I give up? Uh, and make us aware is an egregious error. Um, this is why you should have listened to the whole thing I mean, I'm pretty sure I talked about the small catechism and the Augsburg Confession are absolutely n- necessary and should be taught and then the fact is if someone really understands that they'll find themselves competent enough to enter the Book of Concord But if I went around banging people in the face of the Book of Concord no one will ever listen to me about anything it's just that easy I think I said that already and I'm sorry you're poking a hot spot here though because what you want is good but you speak as one without any knowledge We, the laity, are dumbed down currently to give up and not teach it and make us aware is an egregious error. The laity, my friend, are not you. You are particularly unique amongst the laity. You think, you hunger, you study. I'm a pastor. I work with the laity. You're 1%, less than 1% of an average 150-member congregation. Maybe that's not quite fair. You're 2%, maybe 5 and a really strong one. And the rest are Christians. Christians who don't even read their Bible. So if you think for a second I'm going to run around telling them to read the book of Concord before I've convinced them to read their Bibles, you don't speak with knowledge. You don't want your Lutheran confession of the gospel to go away. I'm here to tell you it won't. However, the word Lutheran might. And if you make your contention for the resurrection of Jesus Christ contingent upon the word Lutheran, I would suggest you might be fighting God at a certain point. Not because the confessions don't have the truth in them, but because you wield them like an idol rather than see them as the gift they are, in which any laity is free to have them, but not all laity are going to be intellectual philosophers. And I think all should be is, well, an error of the modern mind, I think. Uh, quite, Quite foolish. Uh, so again, you, 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 you poked me. I'm trying to be nice. I really just disagree with you so hard though. So, so I try to be nice. Let's keep going though. I, I think your heart is in the right place and I, I want you to understand how, um, I'm in fact trying to do the future you want. And part of it is recognizing that going backwards won't get you there. So, uh, uh, John goes on, though. I would posit that the laity and a level of critical thinking is why you are asking if it shouldn't be taught to the lady as a matter of importance. Well, I was asked, right? So um, it is not going to be easy, but I believe it can be done. Okay, Have you done this? Have you tried? Because you're talking to a guy who spent you know 15 years with your approach, and I finally realized they weren't even reading the Bible yet. So you believe it can be done. So did I. It should not be done. Not without giving them the scriptures first. The fact that we would need to go to this other thing as our salvation moment when our church body's falling apart. This, I mean, and I, I am a confessor of these. I hold to these with my life till I die. And what they tell me to do is hold to the scriptures. So if you're going to pit them against each other in a conversation with me, I will side with the scriptures. I will. Not that it says the confessions are bad, but they are not the scriptures. Ah. Uh. Not no, not every church member is reading is ready or should be given that meat. They should uh, they should not stop the clergy from doing it. Uh, well, I'm not sure if I followed the whole sentence there, um, but this is like my point, my friend. Ninety nine percent of the lady are not ready for that meat, and maybe they're not supposed to be. <laughs> if they aren't able to read the New Testament, why would we have them reading anything else? If they aren't praying the Psalms, why would we have them read anything else? Now, once you've been doing those things, are the confessions a resource that I will promote? <laughs> so again, John, you speak without knowledge, you know, and, and uh, you know, I love you. Your heart's in the right place. But the reason I have the position I have is because what you're advocating is wrongheaded on a lot of different levels. And is completely unaware of the illiteracy rate of American systems right now. A straight illiteracy. Unable to read a sentence without having to stop. So that if I go and I read a paragraph of the book of Concord. One paragraph in a public setting. I've lost all of them by the end of the first sentence. Why would I do that rather than teach them the Beatitudes? I mean, that's my point. So to to come back at me, right? I got to say, no, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. Uh, that little pamphlet that has the small catechism in it that we print, we should give that out to everyone who walks through the door. The giant Book of Concord, uh, your elders probably should get one as a gift when they become elders. Or when they're, how, how about try this one on? Before anyone becomes, this won't work, it's too hard. Before anyone becomes an elder in your church, they have to spend two years reading the Book of Concord, and then they become an elder because they're ready for it finally, right? That makes sense. That's the kind of level of understanding you want in your board of, of counsel, whoever's leading the church. But the idea that this is just like straight up water for the feeding. No, 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 no. You who have a mind where the book of Congress has inspired you. I'm one of those. I I was like, I found this. It was like, it was like gold. Ah, I would eat it all. You know, um, you're just not everybody. And to expect everybody to be like you is haughty. Honestly. Um, Now, we live in a world where we're not allowed to acknowledge that people are not equal (laughs) and we have differences. Uh, But the fact is there are people who are like really smart about this thing and there's people who are like really smart about this thing. And we call one smart and we call the other one not smart for some reason, right? So like if you know how to raise cows, you're not smart. But if you know how to like talk like I do, now you're smart. Okay, whatever. The point is there's different intelligences and not everyone's made to be a philosopher. Not everyone's made to be a a, a splitter of arguments and a logistician. And the fact is that's what most of those documents end up being. They are they are legal arguments from a political battle, which require incredible context to understand, and many who read them misuse them as a result of that and use them to say things they do not say. So it's just it's just not that simple. Whereas again, that small catechism tossed that thing out to the world. Like do we should just be throwing that out of airplanes? When they were when they were flying that blimp with the LCMS logo on it, they should have been throwing small catechism pamphlets out of it little balloons attached. They can float down all over. I would have done something. I think somewhere, John says this, I think somewhere along the line, our clergy was told that the lady needed to have simple things and the Book of Concord was not on that list. You're right. Uh, In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, there was a movement that saw it as, yeah, you're too dumb to have this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't want it. And before you're going to want it, I have to convince you to want it. And if you don't know what the Bible says, that ain't happening. (laughs) So it's like, it's like, you got to take a real look at the ground, John. How are you judging who laity are? I have a number of beautiful children. I love them all. And they come at times to me with ideas about the world. And they say, everyone is like this. And I'm like, you guys know three people. How can you speak with these pronouncements? But like, this is it. If you sit and you watch any screen ever, you think you know, but none of us do. There's too much information to know it all. There's always missing pieces. All of us are askew a little bit. So to expect all people to think, act, talk like you be ready for what you're ready for. God bless you that you want the book of Concord. That makes you one who has learned to hunger for pure milk. You have realized that there is a path to understanding and clarity with regard to Jesus' name that goes further than, I'm just a Christian going to say, it, do what I want and worship baby Jesus. Like, like, there's more than that, right? So God bless you. But hear me when I say, if you want other people to join you on a mountain, then you have to come down off the mountain and take their hand and lead them up it. That doesn't mean say there's no mountain, but does mean maybe you don't say, hey, grandma. We're going to climb Mount Everest right now. Instead, you say, hey, Grandma, let's take a journey. Here, take a step. And if you know where you're going and they're following you and you are faithful, you will walk toward Mount Zion and you'll all get there. Feel me? Man, I love you guys. Uh, I also, you're totally right, though. When they were saying this in the liberal 40s, I mean, it was wrong. But what they were doing was withholding the idea of the confessions Um, the leadership of the congregation who wants to handle the uh, financial and property interests of any congregation in a Lutheran church where the Book of Concord is built into the Constitution, if they don't know the Constitution, um, that's problematic. But now that's about your honesty and integrity as a business. (laughs) I know. And try running a business run by a council with people who are semi-illiterate elected to it especially illiterate when it comes to doing any kind of thing beyond what they are already professionally trained to do. This is the system we've got. (laughs) And I'm not saying it because I hate people. I love the people. We got a bad system. (laughs) We got a bad system where our own lack of knowledge now has begun to dovetail into problems. The more complicated you've made your existence as a person or as a church over the last 15 years, the more you're finding this right now. We were sold a bunch of technology that's supposed to make life simpler, and it has not. It has made life more complex, and it's very, very expensive to maintain. And we're also running into a real estate issue where real estate is going to be harder and harder to hold on to. And so when you have a big group of influxing immigrants, you can buy a church and build one, right? But when you don't have that anymore and you're on birth control, you can't maintain these facilities you set up. you got to sell them to the new immigrants who can kind of maintain them more than you can. They're willing to, at least, because their lifestyle isn't quite as far as yours, and so they haven't idolized their own bank accounts as much. I mean, this is where we stand, right? I'm not trying to judge you. I don't want to. Ju- <laughs> we got enough judgment going on around us. I'm trying to teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Uh, John goes on I don't agree with just preaching the content of the confessions from the pulpit. You made reference to the fact that your sermons reflect the confessions. That is awesome. Uh, that will not train a congregation of non critical thinkers to understand the content of the confession. Um, only hard work will do that Uh, right I'm going to say it will be only individuals who will generally do that and then the pastor is a resource for every individual in the congregation not just the one that wants to have a class on the book of concord once a week so in a congregation of say 150 people where the pastor is called to feed with Christian education Every single person there, recognizing that fathers are to feed the families at home as well every day and every week, <laughs> and the pastor's there to encourage those fathers the, the pastor is the research for those who will be fathers to be able to teach, be the prophet, priest, at home hmm? uh, and uh, it doesn't mean that a pastor can't answer a question that a lady would have, of course he would or a child, why not, but that there is there's a goal of order, a goal of understanding, and a goal of discipleship. But again, you only get to this when you realize that you know, one guy just walked in and he's going to be lucky if he gets his life together at all in the next 5 years. And so, man, if he'll just be in the Psalms and come to church every week, you're thanking God. And a big campaign to make the whole place like like wave wave Luther's seal as our flag, it's just it's not going to help. Him and the other 15 people who have completely different stories and are coming completely different places and need a unifying factor. The small catechism will do that. Has done that. Clearly is a, is what Lutheranism is in terms of our essence through history. If you're going to look at, if you're going to judge the Lutheran church in history, you're going to look at the history of what the small catechism did. Not a history of institutions that we claim to be who we are. That's modernism. Don't think like that. Think like humans, not machines. No. So, John, it's been great. I hope you've enjoyed the back and forth. (laughs) What time is it? Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the the back and forth. Hard work is part of it for all of us. Just recognize that one man's hard work is another man's play. And so the hard work that you get from reading a heavy duty book uh, is maybe not what another man needs, especially as he's trying to just find the water right now and drink. Uh, and that's that's what we got to worry about a lot. Okay, so Sidewinder, we're gonna come back to Sidewinder's question here in a little bit. Let's go do uh, some. Um, I've seen some super chats, or at least one super chat came through earlier. There's one, and is that it? Yeah, I'll answer that. I'll kind of scroll through and look for questions as well after we hit this. If you got questions, put them toward the bottom. Right now, we'll see if we can get to them. Uh, Jedi Knight Anakin Cringewalker says this: U.S. has 13-ish substations for the entire grid. This is electricity? Yay. Most nations just have a gentleman's agreement not to attack each other's stations. Big risk. Um, wow. Now, World War One, gentlemen's agreements. Uh, I'm not even. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure to do with the one Jedi. Um, other than this, there's two. Here's two things. There's, there's a if you're if you are watching the blue box, there's a Netflix documentary or it's on Netflix or was uh, called Off the Grid, and it's about people who live in British Columbia off the grid. It's really worth your time. So just so you can know what you're up against, if you want to live off the grid, or if you happen to be made to live off the grid, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh there's that one. Okay, what was the other one? <laughs> off the grid. Oh, I was in Barnes and Noble uh, last week and saw a book I had not thought about or seen for a while called "Dies the Fire." I cannot recommend it. It's it's written by a witch, like really, actually, and it promotes witchcraft, like as a worldview actually it's kind of the main kind of thrusting social agenda but it has this really clever idea of a world without electricity and gunpowder and what goes on and while i don't think we're going to head toward a world without gunpowder probably uh the world without electricity entirely the way they do it in the book probably not either however um it's a nice little mind experiment for prayer hmm how's this one so this morning Jedi Knight, I'm going to do this one for you because I know you like the, the conspiracy dystopic stuff. Uh, in the Mad Christian Discord, we do have a dystopic conspiracy theory channel. It is all fun and games. We all assume that it's all probably wrong and uh, and that is really there to inspire our prayers. And that's what I'm going to do with you here right now, I hope. I had this horrible doubt this morning. It was, it was a doubt in, in uh, the power of the United States of America to work for my good. Realizing that the elites who are uh, don't necessarily care for me white man as i am um and that i am to be prejudiced against at all costs if it shall value the society from their point of view Uh, realizing that uh, american industry has been more or less sent to china over the last 30 years anyway that it would seem that the the un global 2030 davos thing at least wants china and the u.s to be sort of on the right uh, you know, on the same path together and all this and, and uh, again just highly distrusting my own government I realized something which I don't think will happen but but it was like you know if China wanted to fly in a complete invasion and the US wanted to let them our our elites we wouldn't know until it was too late now, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's the point's kind of important. The only way you are going to know that the enemy is coming is because our government's going to tell you. Right? So what I did immediately was I prayed that that thing would not happen, the particular thing, left it at that, thought that would be an interesting book to write right now, it probably could sell, and then moved on, assuming that it's probably not going to happen, but I am thankful for knowing that I have prayed to my God that it will not. And this is the value, if you're going to have value in this. When you are overwhelmed by the stories and you see the fear, and that fear comes upon you and it puts its big old monstrous head on you. Rather than try to tell yourself it'll be okay, rather than try to prophesy some lie, why don't you pray to Jesus that it not be what you're afraid of? Or that if it is, you would understand again how to how to see this as a gift. Yeah. So, um, that's that's the value for me. I mean I, I also I think it came out of my mouth right away, is like, Dear Lord Jesus, why do you let me think of such things? Is it so that I may write fiction novels? If so, may I actually write one? <laughs> <laughs> anyhow anyhow so i saw another super chat uh chime in down here uh sarah says uh thank you for all that you share well thank you sarah for throwing that in there as well thank you for y'all being who y'all are um here we said uh ryan hill this is back from the conversation uh, about what bible to read Fisk. have you ever tried reading the ehv and comparing it to the nkgv this world is quite interesting with all the alphabet soup I have Ryan and I was, I was excited that the EHV project was there. Unfortunately, I could only read it for about a couple of days before I was like, this is, this is, no, <laughs> no, this is not going to unify us. That's what I'll tell you. Is it a, a fine work of scholastic endeavor? Could it unify the wells? Yeah, possibly, you know, but it's not going to unify us right now. And, and so I, it, I I'll stay with what I said earlier, a new translation in English right now will only further divide us. Rather, we might remember that the reason English Christianity was the power that it was was a singular translation called the King James. And while it is not inspired and without error, the New King James is still pretty good, really. I mean, given everyone's tried again and no one's really done it too much better, There's there are some problems. There are a couple of words that are out of date or things like that. But then again, if you have a preacher who even begins to understand the Bible, it's not an issue. It's really not an issue. So uh, EHV, again, it's like, it's just more fragmenting. Um, you know, uh, and it's, it, it, what it serves is those who read it. Yeah. But I found that it was not particularly solving the problems I had with the ESV, um, nor was it any more, uh, powerful than the new King James. So like at what point and you, and then I also know others and I haven't done this work, but I know others in my body that have been like. Oh, this verse, this verse, this verse. Why'd they do that? So again, you immediately open a can of worms. Um, I can't remember where they came down on the man-woman stuff. I think they came down harder than um, some, but if the word children is in there for sons, <laughs> that's one reason alone to leave any translation behind. Although New King James has that too. Ah, it drives me nuts. I've gone through I started writing, you know, Ben in Hebrew over the children of Israel uh, because the uh, the transgenderism is strong, is very, very strong. All right, so coming back over here, Sidewinder's got a big question for us today, and it's going to be hard. So you know, buckle in or tune out kind of thing. But uh, And I won't go into too much detail on some of it other than what she says, uh, she, he. Um, but I, I'm going to, yeah, it's she. Uh, I'm going to leave it, yeah. I will address what I want to address, and then there's some, is just, it's just brutal. It's just brutal, right? Brutal. Uh, Pastor Fisk. While well, being aware of your policy not dealing with pastoral issues, online, i just want to let you know of the story for your counseling of those preparing for marriage. My husband uh, was raped by his paternal grandmother at age four. I don't even know how to. Ah, uh, he never told his parents. Ah, uh, therefore, nothing was ever done at the time. He never divulged this when we were preparing for our marriage, and it didn't come out until 40 years later. How would he? I mean, how would he even have the the institutional conscience to to be that brave? You know, I mean, that you've you've beaten the child in the most vicious way possible it just destroyed his spirit Uh, made it so he cannot find his own way Uh, and and what should be trust is now fear uh and so uh so so you know how could he right um everyone in this story uh, we we everyone in this story were and are good people highly educated professionals with strong church community standing yeah The devil does his deeds in darkness. (laughs) Uh, This terrible burden of guilt and shame has haunted my husband all his life. I'm sure it has. Uh, He has sought professional help, but was told that the event had nothing to do with his current issues. Well, um, professional experts in the secular pagan world, and when you find a Christian counselor, even they have interesting, interesting ideas. It's really a mess out there. It really is. I don't have an answer. I really don't. Other than Jesus has risen. You are paid for. (laughs) You're immortal, and he won't be long now. I do not consider the present suffering. To be worthy to compare with what shall be revealed. Huh? Oh man. Um he has sought professional book okay, yeah. Uh he is pious, devoted Christian, but that doesn't help him much. Yes it does. Don't tell him that and don't admit that. Yes, it does. Is he watching? It helps you. It is a guarantee that if you are a Christian, your conscience in your life is infinitely better than if you're not a Christian. You, personally. Forget, if you're not a Christian, you're not listening, go away. It's not for you. For Those who are not Christians, your life is infinitely better than those who are not Christians simply by the fact that you know who Jesus is. And you cannot imagine how much worse life is without knowing who Jesus is. And the people who are there, they can't imagine it either because they can't even see it. They're just living in it. They're just running around poop all the time, screaming, throwing poop in the air and saying, I found glory. Huh? And you, by Jesus' grace, don't do that. And you're like, oh, it feels bad here. I hate it. Therefore, it doesn't do me. No, it's not here to make the bad feeling go away. It's here to help you understand the bad feeling is what this world's sin is. Huh? We dwell amongst those who have contempt and pride. And the better it gets, the worse we get at that kind of stuff. So again, he is pious and devoted Christian, but that doesn't seem to help him much. Although I promise you it does. Continuing. One result of all this is that when I started exhibiting signs of aging, he was inwardly revolted by me while you became his aggressor, right? Uh, I have dealt with all this, but I just wanted to encourage your young couples to hold nothing back. Now, this is your point, and this is very valuable, and this is the counseling that I give. Uh, And in my own marriage, which we it's a real human marriage with two sinners, and we work things out with great regularity, and thank God for it. But it's not like either of us are perfect. So putting it on the table vulnerability willingness to see each other's shame and cover it. That's what marriage in this fallen age is for. Uh, yeah. Uh, there should be no secrets or hiding behind respectable facades. That's right. We should be honest about who we are. Correct. Uncomfortable questions may have to be asked. Painful probing may have to occur. Everything comes out in the end one way or the other. Um, yes, yes, I'm going to say this though, I'm going to disagree with you just a touch. You are not beholden to confess all of your sins to your spouse. Uh, you are not beholden even to do it in a confessional as if, if it goes unconfessed, it is not forgiven. What you do have to do as a, as a relationship is confront the actual thing dividing you. Call it what it is and move it away. Through forgiveness and through accountability and through vulnerability. Now, why am I saying this? Let me give you a a kind of a counter problem that's out there in the world right now. It's called pornography. If a man has a problem with pornography and he confesses it to his wife, he will inevitably do great damage to her. It happens. Uh, If he then falls again, which you usually do because it's an addictive drug like heroin, like heroin well then you'll have to confess it again to her and you will create a cycle of absolutely destroying her view of herself this is why you have a pastor right so what i want to say is that there are places where the place to deal with this is not with each other but with your pastor not as a counselor but as an absolver and so you know this is this is really key He, by virtue of his action, did nothing wrong. He, by vice of his inheritance, has been made party to great uncleanness, and his conscience knows it. The answer is that he's forgiven in Jesus Christ, because all things have been reconciled in him. That the full atonement has made, the lamb has been slaughtered, the Passover has come. uncomfortable questions may have to be asked. Painful probing may have to occur. Everything comes out in the end. So side again, yes, in the conversation with those who are going to get married to each other, you really want to confront your idols if you can. You want to admit that you're both probably idolizing each other. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this. And that'll be the source of most of your problems 10 years from now. But at the moment, your problems are you don't even know how to not be completely selfish jerks. And so you're going to walk in and argue about like this color of stuff. (laughs) And so, so you you know, you really have to kind of get back to what's your marriage for. I mean, there's so much to go into here. But vulnerability. Being vulnerable. Being willing to say I was wrong. I am wrong. I have wrong. I am ashamed of what is. It doesn't even matter if I'm right to be ashamed of it. I am ashamed of what is. To be safe with your spouse and to speak that way—that is—that is what it's for. Um, that kind of trust. Now, can everyone have that? No. You got. And does it just come? No. You got to work on that. How? How? How do I do it? Pastor, Peace? pray the Psalms and read the Proverbs, both of you start, I promise, it will work. It will take time. It's like growing seed in the ground. Don't do it today and think you're going to microwave it. But if you do it for 10 years, I promise you, you might be dead, you might be poor, but you'll be more content than you are now. Better a dinner of herbs with charity. Is that how it goes? Better a dinner of vegetables with charity than a fatted calf with injustice. There's a couple things in that one. Uh, Meanwhile sidewater says i am filled with hope looking forward to the resurrection in christ's return nothing can dim that light he won't be long now amen that's the path that's the path um so yeah and the conversation with your husband is going to be what it is these things are all going to be unique and that's why pastoral care directly needs to be done directly uh, uh, there's too much nuance but uh we know we question in house whether i should share your your comment because it's pretty intense and i youtube might even flag us for that one um but At the same time, we're trying to handle it like uh, religious, spiritual, righteous people that want to acknowledge we live in a wicked world and we've got to deal with the consequences of other people's actions upon us, which doesn't absolve us outside of Jesus. Yeah, outside of Jesus. Uh, So we have a couple more super chats have shown up here. Uh, We'll throw these in. Theo Mega Wordy. I don't know what it means, but I'm kind of loving it. Uh, he says, Fisk is dead on. There's a tendency of new believers to seek secret knowledge or insight This can lead to false beliefs like the Hebrew roots. I just got torn up by a Hebrew roots guy on an old video. He's like, you don't know nothing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, this video is so old. Uh, anyway, uh, which seek to put the free in Christ back under the law. Truth. Uh, and he says again, uh, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. They lure you in. The idea of keeping the Mosaic law is faith-defined in love for God, despite Paul's warning. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Torah... <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm a Torahist when it comes to believing what David prayed about it, which is this. David knew before the book of Samuel was written, before Isaiah was written, before Ezekiel was written, David knew that his whole hope for everything from his life in the present to his life after Sheol resided exclusively in the five books of Moses and what they said about him. And then he became a second echo of this. So now Torah is not just Moses; it's also David, and then the prophets. It's not also only only David; it becomes you know the prophets, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, being the heart of this. So Torah is all of this because there's nothing that they say that Torah doesn't say. It's just like a fuller revelation as history, and you see it play out. And then the New Testament, in that regard, there's nothing new about it, but its shape. uh, That it doesn't have the same signs. uh, That it no longer requires blood sacrifice because the blood sacrifice has been completed. But nonetheless, um, when John says that the Logos became flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, this is Torah. Torah became flesh. It's the New Torah, the New Testament, of the Torah who became flesh, dwelt among us, we have seen His glory. And now... When you take and eat, this is my body. It's Torah too. It's the temple. It's the ark. It's all of it. It's the full completion. This is where the, the Christian faith is the stunning, absolute fulfillment of all things right now. The Spirit of God is in you right now. And the only problem is you want to feel better. And you want to make more sense in a worldly way. And you want to make the suffering just kind of stop. Which it won't, and that's that's just it. Uh, where was I? Just looking this morning. Ah, I forget. Where, it wasn't in the Bible. It was a resource, but it talked about how uh, the goal of all false teaching is to stop suffering. I was like, "That's a thought." Ponder that one for a while. Oh my, oh my. What are we doing? We got we got twenty minutes here, uh, and so I would I would love some more from you. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a short break. I didn't take my three minute break earlier. I will not take all of this break. But what I will do is I will find. I will bring up. I'll bring up, talk them into it. We'll do a little bit of that more here in just a moment. Do not go anywhere. Beer back. Stick around. All right. I think we can do this here. Yeah, it looks like that's doing it right. Absolutely. So, do, do, do. yeah. Talk them into it. My free book, you get it by signing up for Mad Monday's newsletter. It comes out every Monday. It gives you all you need to know as a Christian in this present age. Well, not all you need to know. It gives you all you need to know from the white noise to keep you kind of informed with the crazy and the normal and... Uh, why don't we go back and act like we're Christians again? So uh, if you would like to get into that, that's free. But then you also get a free copy of my book, Talk Them Into It for your Kindle. You can buy this as well on Amazon.com. It is about how to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. How would you sit down and talk over a number of conversations with someone who's an unbeliever with, well, not without knowledge, you, but doing it with knowledge so that you can bring to bear your faith in a meaningful manner rather than try to just kind of stomp your foot and scream like a spoiled child about how they won't believe what you want them to believe take some time and and learn what the scriptures say also learn the power of of prayer waiting and trust so the book the book is about that as a whole Um, but i think uh this section here is is particularly potent and then this goes the the advice in the book does not only apply to a conversation about the gospel I mean, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to oh, how believe, and so if you can get a fair hearing for it, like, that's really worth your time. But the ideas in the book about conversation apply to any conversation where you're trying to understand each other, right? Because that's, you want to build relationship, <laughs> right? Based upon common understanding. You stand together under the same roof as it were. All right, so in that, There's something very powerful about being the disciple. We all think that being the teacher is the power, but it's it's not quite true. It's not quite true. Um, It's true more if the teacher is one and the disciples are 70, right? You don't get much there. But if it's one-on-one, disciples actually got a lot more power than the teacher does because the disciple can be wrong, like constantly. (laughs) And the teacher's not really allowed to be. The teacher has to continually be right. So there's a real genius in just realizing, I'll be the disciple now. Well, um, this makes me think of that question from earlier about life in the household. I, I meant to say something about talking them into it, um, uh, helping out with that household where he's kind of under a completely different uh, tradition of Christianity than he wants to believe in, right? Well, it doesn't matter what your discipline is. It is all the same. There must be a master and he is not a Lord of men, but a Lord of skill, right? So understand that too. Real mastery, if it exists, is not just I say, I am master of the universe, right? But that there is something that I do that others cannot do. Hence, I have mastered it. It is not about slavery. It's about cobbling shoes, okay? So, (laughs) uh, uh, there must be a master, one who knows something, and there must be someone who doesn't know something. There is then a man who envies his skill and aspires to it. If the master will allow it, he will then be his disciple. Uh, That's what you do when you watch my show, you know this? You're my disciples. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of weird, though. It? Yeah, I know. Um, it, it what's super weird is that you think you know me as a result of it. And so then you show up somewhere, I show up somewhere, and you're like, hi, Pastor Fisk. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> but no, I'm more like, hey, what's up? Tell me who you are. Because <laughs> I want to know. But yeah, uh, the, the familiarity is a really strange thing. In any case, you're here because I'm discipling you. I'm disciplining you. I'm giving you answers to problems that you have or have thought about, and you're deciding whether or not my mastery is worth accepting or not, right? So the master is always under judgment a little bit, although a true master doesn't worry about it because he's the master. He's going to do what he wants. You can judge him and walk away. He's like, yeah, but it works So whatever. So um, this relationship applies to every conversation, okay? So if if you can realize every time you talk, even about things that aren't like, Matt, what the... Oh my, I just lost like, no, (laughs) I got very confused. Oh my goodness. All right, there we go. Like, like signal booted up in the middle of everything and it went blue screen. And so if you ever play video games, you see the whole screen go blue. That's never a good sign. So excuse my um, vernacular. I didn't finish it. Um, I don't even know what was next, but uh, uh, blue screen of death is what was not next. Thank goodness. Thank, thank the Lord. Uh, So... (sighs) Every conversation is functioning in a master-disciple relationship. So, hi, how are you? I'm fine. See, I'm the master of that information. Again, we talked last week about, so what's fine? What's that mean is the way to continue the conversation without having to turn it right away. Um, and, you know, and sometimes people say, I'm fine, how are you? They say it so fast that you're supposed to be the one to come up with it. Uh, but the point being, again, that relationship is a master-disciple always. The roles can switch in the conversation, but there will always be aggro defense. I mean, it's another way to look at it if you're a magic player, um, Magic the Gathering. So uh, the first rule of all disciplines then, disciples then, is to listen, right? Because you're not going to learn from the master if you won't listen. It's a poor sport. You cannot hear the whistle or will not hear the coach. But it is the power of the disciple we want for ourselves now, right? So the disciple has to listen, but we actually think this is more powerful. And so we want to grab this. We're okay with this. Um, it's, it's not bad to be the disciple. Uh, it is the disciple's path to mastery, the final definition of his discipleship. So you get to learn from the master by listening, but in so doing, you get to put the master to the test. Yeah. Uh, so the disciple stays close enough to the master to the power to ask still more questions. Notice the genius with which our Lord has designed our warfare. Our discipline is of itself everlasting and insurmountable, for he has risen indeed never to die again. As such, we, like the wizard Daniel, have nothing to fear from the disciplines of men, for they all be religious and false in the same manner, and they all be secular and true within the design of Scripture, what Scripture declares as creation. No other philosophy may be quite so bold, though many have learned to mimic our Christianity's divinity." The point is that Christians are supernaturally unique in our freedom to honestly explore the religions of others as a disciple might without fear of it ever being anything more than another spin on the devil's ancient heresy. Knowing the difference is the battle, right? If you're ignorant, you don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, you got you to gotta be in the scriptures yourself. Uh, we spent the first well, three quarters, five fifths, of, four fifths of the show talking about that, right? Uh, so uh, you don't just get to like have this chrism fall on you. But when you are believing the promises of Scripture, then the promises include your being in Christ, right? And able to test the spirits. In fact, as you're commanded to go, test the spirits. So the Christian truth is to be known already. The pagan truth is free to be learned in order to clarify, remove confusion about differences, seek for commonalities, and gladly find similarities, on which eventually you'll proclaim that Jesus is risen, right? This only can happen when you ask, One rule, many styles. Pick one. What do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Can you clear up that part about what do you think about? Can you help me understand? What confuses me is have you ever considered, right? Instead of telling them no, but (laughs) pick one and practice it at home. The bonus power is that in any and every conversation, these questions are a sign of respect. You're not going to insult someone by asking these. You're actually respecting them. Like God has set it up so you get to be the nice guy who wins just by virtue of following truth. It, you know, they could still kill you for it. They might crucify you for it, but you'll know. <laughs> uh, by asking to be the disciple, you have taken the power of directing the conversation by exchanging it for the honor that comes with your opponent being perceived as the master, for he rightly is. So you say, you be the master, but I direct the conversation then. Right? You're going to talk, but I get asked ask questions and I get, to, I get to go this way anytime I want. I get to test you. You have merely admitted that he's then the master to be tested and sat back to receive the liar's best diplomacy for his errors because you know they must be because he's going to defend a false religion because they are because Jesus is risen, and why are you doubting that? Don't go in if you're going to doubt it. Uh, If he be remotely honest, man, he has also perhaps not unwittingly put you in a position to truly help him. Ah, a dishonest man, not as much. So, 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 I'm going to come back to the main page here and see if I can find out... uh, What's going on over here? I thought I saw a super chat pop in. Oh wow, it's a big one! Thank you. Uh, Biokini says, uh, "Pair character writing a firework rocket." Before pushing this, I'm not sure I followed that. Um, the pair character, but guys, peace to you and thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, now I'm looking for something else to say. Uh, let us dive into this. How would we do a few probs to close up the hour? Uh bo. bo, 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 bo. Here we go. I have not gotten into Proverbs 17 this week. I've been in 16, so I'm gonna take us down here and pop us back. What has jumped out to me? There's been so many good ones. What I find every time I dig into the Proverbs is that I can't believe I didn't read that one before. Even though like I read it the day before because I focused on the one underneath it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how did I miss this one? But there's there's so much in here. This idea, right? That you are going to prepare to talk to your friends and neighbors about Jesus, you are going to prepare to start a new company and build the future. You are going to prepare to uh, settle in a home and a farmstead and and uh, and go the old way. Okay, the thing is, God's in charge. Huh? the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from Jesus Christ, from the Lord. The fact, and this goes for pagan and unbeliever or pagan and believer alike. At the end of the day nothing's outside of His control. So, this is encouraging to me. This does not make me despair. It means that I can throw myself into the Scriptures. I can throw myself into what God says. I can prepare with all that I am, and I can know it doesn't matter, but it will result according to His righteous judgment in results that are, are given, because that's what the Scriptures are to do. And so that my tongue, when it answers, rather than have to worry about oh, will I be right? Can I come up with something clever? Can I be smart like I was last time? Instead, just believe that you have imbibed the word of God. The more that that's all you imbibe, the more that's all that's going to come out of you. <laughs> so, you know, all the better. Uh, the answer of the tongue is from Jesus Christ. A, a pagan, you know, it's like Bal- Balak, right? Uh, you end up out there saying what you think is your will, and oh, the Lord knows how to hold ungodly men for the day of trial. Like, you think you're free. You think you're out there doing your own thing, fighting God. huh? Mm-hmm. Not so much, not so much. Uh, all the ways of men man are pure in his own eyes, but Jesus Christ weighs the Spirit. Commit your works to Jesus Christ and your thoughts will be established. I love this one. As Kunz and I keep talking about, you know, a, a paradigm for uh, building your psyche in a fallen, broken age where you can't trust, you know, there's false flags to say that way. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, is it is it Plato? I, I, I still push back on him on this one. Is it Plato? Do we really need Plato? Plato? commit your works to Jesus Christ and your thoughts will be established well if your work would include reading the Psalms I guarantee you it's going to establish your thoughts (laughs) do I sound like a broken record yet do I is it boring yet Jesus Christ verse 4 has made for himself all yes even the wicked for the day of doom uh oh election talk election talk does this mean superlapsarianism is in fact the way to go I think there's more than one way to parse that Adam but um no What it means is that Jesus Christ has known from the fall, all men are going to hell. All men are going to hell. And he has declared salvation to his elect. And he goes like this when he says to the elect, he says, you, all people. (laughs) And that's working itself out as a great mystery through time and space. And what we can know is that the wicked are not out of his control, as the whole section has been saying. But it hardly is teaching that he created them from before evil and he made up evil so he could stop evil, so he could show us how good we are because you can't have good without evil. That's... That's called Greek philosophy is what that's called. <laughs> and I'm not really into that. I'm not into that. The Bible doesn't talk like that. Every proud in heart, everyone proud in heart is an abomination to Jesus Christ. Oof, oof, oof. Though they join forces, now we'll go unpunished. I had to go Hebrew in this one because this little section here, though they join forces, literally says hand to hand. And I when I looked, it does. It says hand to hand. Not and There's no even forces there. That's not there. It's just hand to hand. No. And then uh, they will unjudged or something like that, right? But if if you think of it as like one by one down the line, everyone's going to get their day in the court is really what it's getting at there. And that what is the day in court about the being proud and heart? Now, what I love here is it's not I mean, the word is the word proud, but it's etymology. It's, it's meaning initially is tall, haughty, high. Right. There's a being upright is good in the Old Testament. Being high or tall or haughty is not good. Right. Upright, good. Haughty, not good. So a tall, a haughty heart is an abomination. We talked about that earlier. Horror uh, to Jesus Christ. And you know, all, all hearts that lift themselves up against God, hand to hand. Notice the combining of hand and heart, by the way, body to body. They will be punished. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus. Have I told you about Jesus? The amazing thing about Jesus is that he took the punishment in your place. Like, write that down. Really if you haven't heard it before, right, read it. Jesus took the punishment in your place. Your punishment for being tall of heart, which you are. He took it. So that you are sealed for the day of doom, not in yourself, but in his tomb now. Baptism is a beautiful thing. Yeah, promises are good. From Jesus in mercy and truth. Verse six says Atonement is provided for iniquity. Oh, I love that word iniquity. It's a good word. Uh, it's a good way to say it. Iniquity. Uh and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Ah, uh, speaking of iniquity. I looked up the word sin again recently to try to remember it. And not like I don't know what sin means, but I I don't. It's not in the languages of the New Testament or the Old Testament, except for the desert of sin. This is why I looked it up. So I was in the desert of sin with the Israelites, and it has nothing to do with sin, but we translate it as sin anyway. And we don't really know what it means at all as a word. It's just a sound now. And we don't even really know where it was. And so it's like, it's a really difficult thing. And yet the Israelites wandering through the desert of sin, ought to make sense right but it, it isn't really there it's not there in the in the language at all the word sin comes from old norse soner and may have a latin connection but but soner sinner um oh and i forgot what that one means it's uh it's to be is needing to be judged guilty that's it so uh the judgment of guiltiness so what is iniquity what is sin uh, what is evil it is guilt for something that is not as it should be Everyone looks around, the world's not as it should be. There must be a lot of guilt here, right? So, and there is, outside of Jesus, there's a ton of guilt here outside of Jesus. Inside of Jesus, all the guilt's been buried in his grave, atoned for by his blood, right? In mercy, truth, way, truth, life, he is risen. Atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of Jesus Christ, one's heart departs from evil. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what the Proverbs say. Did you know this? Did you know that God wrote a book on being wise, Called Proverbs. And if you're not reading it, don't need to say it again. If you're not reading it, you know what it means? There's a book on being wise. You don't want to read it. Do, do I have to tell you? Do I do the do, do I got do I do the math? Huh? Uh, uh, Pity the fool. Pity the fool. Uh, so all right. Scrolling through here again. I think we're going to call it for the morning. I got a um I got a, uh, a a cool afternoon. Get to go hang out with the men of St. Paul, who are our local version of the Sons of Solomon. The Sons of Solomon is a pan Christian prayer movement, trying to inspire individual devotion upon common things that all Christians should be able to just kind of say, yep, that's what the Bible says, and to make that our prayer so that maybe a hundred years from now, there's a little less division in the Christian church than there is right now because we all at least realize that, say, Jesus is risen, (laughs) which right now we don't. Uh, So, hear what I'm saying? Sons of Solomon is like, rather than try to fix it, why don't we pray for it? To try to make it all work, make the communions come together. Why don't we say, Hey, all you communions, can you open like these nine Psalms and just pray them? That's the Sons of Solomon. And I, I promise you, it will not leave you unchanged either, it, it will not leave you without benefit to your life. Uh, If you want to know more about that, you do got to find the Mad Christian Discord. I'm not going to go into all of it right now, but the Mad Christian Discord has its own channel for the Sons of Solomon. It's a great little place where encouragement goes on. There are also startup groups, uh, musters, uh, all over the country uh, at this point. Uh, Have they gotten together physically? Not necessarily, and there are limitations to that depending on where you are. You have to work out your own fellowship issues, but the point again is we want to build a pan denominational ability to say things like Jesus is risen from the dead, and you don't get to take that away from us as a group of people. We believe this so you can't tell us we can't be Americans anymore, right? We need some we need some solidarity as a minority in order to claim our right to religious status. And I, the Sons of Solomon is a path to this. It's a path to this. Uh, political? Kind of. Kind of. You want to be a person after David's own heart? Read what David prayed. How's that? So, I got onto Sons of Solomon off the side here. Oh, because the the guys, so we do not have a group at St. Paul called Sons of Solomon. We have a group called the Men of St. Paul, but uh, they are my long game Sons of Solomon group. I haven't sold them all the Psalms yet, but some of them are doing it. Uh, And, uh, we're going to go hang out at a microbrewery today because we, we normally would shoot, uh, practice target uh, target shooting on uh, on these days, but it's awful cold and the snow's awful tall. And so uh, we're going to go hang out at a microbrewery and then maybe head down to a cigar store uh, and uh, just kind of chat about life and remember that the dystopia isn't as much here as it is on the TV. <laughs> and if you turn it off, you might find out just how free you really are once you get the, the white noise out of your Out of your head. How do you find the Mad Christian Discord? This is a question, my friend, that unfortunately, I do not have a better answer to you for you than I should. What we really need is a way that I can just put a link in every week, right? Um, But what I can tell you is this. RevFist.com slash contact. Say, please help. That's it. Well, I mean, please help. Mad Christian Discord. You will be helped. Um, That is not the most efficient way we could do this. Uh, Stacy looks like she might be helping you there as well. If you have a Discord account, I don't know, can you search it, Stacey? If you search for Mad Christian, does it even just show up? We definitely let people in. There's uh, some rules for, like, not being a jerk. It's kind of Fight Club, uh, but, like, good Fight Club, right? Like, repentance is a dish best served cold. Let's learn how to dialogue In in—well, uh, it's not quite elite. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, do, you, do you know what elite speak is? It's not quite— um, pure computer geek dialogue but learning that like in certain spaces you can you can talk certain ways and then you can't get too personal but what you can do is support each other grow laugh pray there's a lot of good stuff in the mad christian discord and stacy hasn't commented again but redfist.com slash contact questions for the show get put in here uh questions for (laughs) uh, questions for anything else you need from me i go through mad christian discord unless what you need Well, you can go that way too to to support me. But if you want to support me in the kind of natural way at the moment, Patreon, Hey, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Some of you give 20, which is really awesome. That is my bread and butter. And I'm not kidding. That's how we live. It's how I invest in uh, uh, expanding what's going on here. Uh, Right at the moment, what that expansion means is I'm not sure. I'm rethinking everything, but all the same, uh, the, the gears that turn the wheels is Patreon. Uh, the gears that turn the wheels on Patreon is moving us toward again, uh, the hope of a comic book, right? So mad, uh, I'm going to pause. This is not as smooth a transition. I didn't prepare to say this, but I do want to share this. So do you remember that the mad Mondays newsletter exists as a plan to publish a comic book? Do you remember this? If you don't, and you've been around a while, so stick around. We have a comic book. I have a comic book that I wrote and that uh, a young man drew. It's done. Episode one, done yeah uh, a little tweaking but it's it's pretty much ready unfortunately um n- I shouldn't say unfortunately, we're going to publish this one uh, on our own. But to do that, you have to make certain requirements happen. So having done research, like we read books and things, like uh, that we learned this, that in order to have a successful Kickstarter campaign or the like, which would allow you to to publish a comic book and kind of turn the whole thing around and make your marks, actually get it done, uh, you need to have a newsletter subscription with over a thousand regular openers. Uh If you can get there, you can usually get your projects done depending on how big your project is. But for the comic book, it's certainly about a thousand. So we've been working toward building a, news- a newsletter audience for the sake of this, right? This is where it came from. It was where Mad Mondays came from. So that's still there. Um, I'm not sure what, what to do about that. I, I'm afraid because it's been like two years since we, since we made the comic book, like how long until you lose the thread. Right. Um, but uh, also part of it is how you put things in order. It's just not that easy to publish a comic book, randomly i could put it into a that's not fair it is easy you can do it like i did talk them into it where you just put it out on on amazon but if you've read your talk them into it you realize it's a pretty cruddy paperback like the amazon's uh, kindle direct is um leaving a lot to be desired in quality let's just say that um and i haven't looked into lulu i know wolf has been a little happier with lulu but making this come to pass is it's just not super easy so this is the path, right? This is what uh, the long-term goal of Mad Christianity is, uh, Dark Shore Comics, is to create a comic book house. But see, here's where I'm also... God, let me think right in front of you now. right? I shared with you this this morning, right? Oh, look, they already got one. <laughs> ah, it's so good, though, too. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm sharing with you the goals. I'm sharing with you why. Um, why should you support me? Uh, you shouldn't if you don't want to. But if you want to, the reason is because... I am going to continue taking everything that you give as a community and funneling it back into spreading the good news in that community. Uh, The Discord channel exists because of your support, right? Um, Me being able to purchase stuff like this, I mean, I don't don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't really need any more for the studio right at the moment. But what it is, is the ongoing study, uh, the ongoing ability to focus my time on running to be at a small parish where I don't have to spend every day in an office running around a school, right? That all comes out of this. And so it allows me to then turn around and give it back to you. Reinvest your power uh, comes out of this. All those things. So that's what Patreon's for. Uh, if you are able to support, it's huge. Every every person that comes in and gives me five bucks a month makes a difference in the long run. Especially when we think about it as being connected to the platform for kickstarting eventually. Right. So, all right, cool. I think that's enough of that. Ugh, ugh. Part of me. I mean, I. You guys are still super chatting me, and that's great. I may be turning that off at some point because they do take a big chunk out of it. And like, I've turned off the um, monetization on all the new videos that I'm making because I'm just so anti-YouTube right now. Uh, Google's evil, right? And so I don't want to give up this platform. I'm going to stay on this platform, but I'm not assuming this platform is always going to be here. And I definitely don't want to make money from this platform, this one particularly. I want you to support me what I'm doing here, but if if YouTube goes away, I don't want that support to go away. (laughs) So, uh, so you know, kind of keep that in the back of your head, too, uh, that the whole purpose for the newsletter is for you to be where you need to be to keep getting the videos, which will come out, even if they can't be on YouTube sometime in the future. All right. That's enough of that. Hey, he is risen. That's why we're here. You're paid for. That's why you're here, right? Uh, he won't be long now, but he's going to be longer than this. And so what's around you? Who are you? Lift up your head, right? You're baptized. You're a son of God. You're not here to wallow in the muck with those who have no hope. You're immortal. You're immortal. The Holy Spirit of the living God lives within you. He breathes within you. And every time the words of Scripture go in your eyes and out your mouth, oh man, all creation rejoices around you. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your voice. All the more as you see the day approaching. This has been the Mad... Christian, Saturday morning, chill. We'll catch you next week. Rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>